I do believe I have the munchies. You always have some kind of munchies going though, Joe. Oh, gonna go to Taco Bell, ask for a bag of tacos. It's a bag. Give me a whole bag. Yeah, it's gotta be in a fucking paper bag. I'm a demand. You a know what? Put a, put a domino mask on. That <laughs> gun. And be like, yeah. fill this bag with tacos right now. That's right. Nobody gets hurt. I don't want the meat. I just want the fucking shell. Now you fill this bag. It's just like I want this bag full of taco supremes. If I see a single regular taco in there, right. and crunchy, I don't do with that soft taco shit. That's right. I want a taco. It can't be crunchy and it can't be soft. Now give it to me, <laughs> sir. I don't understand what you mean. What do you want? I told you what I wanted. Like give him a double decker taco. Can't be soft and it can't be crunchy. You figure it out. Welcome to another episode of Hyper 90s Zeitgeist Breakdown. I love saying that name. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm proud of that. <clears throat> Excuse me, this month on a, on a show, I, I wanted to talk about Bond. Um, and there's a few 90s Bond films that are, that are pretty interesting. Uh, but the main one, and I think kind of all of us kind of have some childhood attachment to um, that we're talking about today is, is Goldeneye, Martin Campbell's Goldeneye. It's Pierce Brosnan's introduction. Goldeneye is, is interesting because it's, well, to kind of understand Goldeneye, we kind of have to go back um, a little bit. Two movies to Timothy Dalton's first outing as Bond. Um, I made you guys watch The Living Daylights in preparation for this, which I understand you guys uh, liked. Yes, tremendously. So when I was re-watching all these, I actually re-watched every single Bond film. Every single Bond film, with the exception of uh, the 1960s Casino Royale spoof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, how many, I think it's 24 it's 24 Bond films, and it, it took a long time. There's a reason why I only do this show monthly. <laughs> wow. There, there are yeah. some absolute gems in the series, and there are some just absolute, like, backwards, like, just, it was hard to, like, especially in the Roger Moore era, I really started to slow down, but uh, it was worth it to, to push <laughs> through, because he had some good ones, too. But Timothy Dalton, he was someone who they had kept in mind for the role for a while and same thing with Pierce Brosnan Pierce Brosnan was in mind around the same time as Timothy Dalton but both actors were actually think said that they felt that they were too young at the time and then Timothy Dalton finally took the role but anyway those films that started with Timothy Dalton kind of feel like the first modern Bond uh, in my opinion not only that he couldn't do Goldeneye Goldeneye was actually written as a Timothy Dalton film I, I absolutely love him, and I think it's a, a shame that he didn't do more. And I mean, what did you guys think of Timothy Dalton's Bond? 
I, I really loved his character. He, he seemed so charming and suave and it just, the way he kind of handled all the situations after uh, watching that first and then seeing Goldeneye after, it really felt like Pierce Brosnan was trying to be him. But you said, from what you just said, that it seemed like that movie was written for him, which probably explains why uh, the way Pierce Brosnan was acting and kind of doing his thing felt so much like like, uh, like Timothy. Like they had such strong similarities when I was watching both of them, and maybe that's probably why. Yeah, it kind of uh, shows just how much of a difference the actor makes yeah. on the role. Because I could see, because I knew that going into GoldenEye, and I could see that this was something written for Dalton after watching, especially yeah. after watching Living Daylights. And I could see just how different Brosnan's presence makes it to the degree that you know, looking at the movies he's in down the line, I can see where they where they made changes and how it ultimately kind of shifted back towards the, I don't know how you describe it, but more towards the Roger, more Sean Connery into the spectrum. Sort than... of, but I, I think uh, in rewatching, I, I found character-wise, License to Kill is, is interesting to watch because it, it is sort of like in between as far as his personality goes like he's he's a lot colder and licensed to kill and you get the sense that he's damaged but he's like he feels like a real person with feelings and he actually cares about people mm. you know yeah what I, mean? I can yeah, see he's that very, um, he's, he's a good guy especially in living daylights yeah. like I really like yeah. probably the most likable Bond I've ever seen oh yeah. just watching him just I was just hypnotized by him I really liked just watching him <laughs> do his thing he did, uh, like with Pierce yeah. brought with Pierce Brosman, he felt a lot colder, at, like the vibe, like the, the like the feel he was giving off compared to Timothy. I just, he just well, Timothy felt so much more alive. At least what I think. I think um, well, Brosman's got more jokes, and where they come out feels yeah. a bit cold. Yeah, I like I was, I was honestly, I mean, the whole scene in my mind was clown shoes, but I was like, it was like the, that. I don't know what you'd call it, a fight or a sex scene between him and Zinya. That was just oh, like, yeah. that was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll get to that. But uh, yeah, I just wanted to pay tribute to uh, Tito for a second because, I mean, he's cold as ice. There's a line in The Living Daylights early on where he's uh, he deliberately doesn't kill this woman and his contact is talking about how, you know, headquarters and M isn't going to like this and Tito is basically like if M has a problem with it he can fire me. Th- that line says so much about his character. Well I also like the line right before where he says I, I kill professionals not, yeah. I don't know what he says exactly, maybe like not civilians but she's not yeah. a professional He's so like you can kind of you can kind of see how serious he is about what he does but at the same time you can see his heart Exactly. It's not a person I, who enjoys hurting people, but will do what he has to when yeah. it's necessary. For me, that line just feels like a turning point in, in Bond, and it's a lot of why I feel like um, that's where the modern era starts, because before that, he was always kind of all about Her Majesty and serving the Queen and all of these. Um, even in previous films, as far as Bond and, and Moore go, and uh, Lazenby, they, if, even if they went off on their own it was still in service of her majesty where 
especially in License to Kill. There's a there's a great scene in License to Kill where he actually M has him cornered with a bunch of uh, government agents, and they're basically like, "You need to come in now. You're off the rails. You can't go off on a vendetta. You're out of your mind." And he just like the whole film, he's just he's off from MI6. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that kind of gives you the sense of of who Tito's Bond is, and that leads into our topic. And that's Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. It's a post-Cold War film, but it's a pre-9-11 film. And it makes a big point about that. And we'll come back to it uh, again and again, but it actually starts, uh, it says like seven or nine years ago. Do you guys remember? It said nine years. 84? 86? 86? Oh. I think. Math. We'll say 86. <laughs> the year I was born. But, uh, Behold our terrible math. In crafting like this post-Cold War narrative, it flashes back to the Cold War and then flashes forward. Another reason why I wanted to talk about this is because I feel like it laid a ton of groundwork for Daniel Craig's Bond, um, especially Skyfall. And we'll we'll talk a little bit about Skyfall too. What did you guys think of this cold open? Uh, well, it's it was really great to watch the GoldenEye movie again because it had been a very long time and it's funny that the first thing i noticed when i started watching it again was the music and the game immediately popped up in my head for some reason that it's it just because it because it just plays off the movie so well and everything but but um no it just felt to me it was kind of the very first bond that i was exposed to i mean i had not really watched all the really older ones i think goldeneye was my first real bond movie so uh, seeing it again, it just felt. I just got all these. Yeah. Just start to remember all these great things about why I like spy movies and what is a spy movie and why James Bond is so popular. And it all seems like it really did all come from this particular Bond movie. Okay, was what did you think of the the opening with him meeting Alec and Oromov and kind of the setup to everything? Um. It was an interesting start, really. Uh, something I always like seeing in regards to these, it, well, in regards to the few Bond movies I have seen, is anything relating to the whole Double O program. Like they kind of play it up like Double O Seven. It's a pretty big deal. It's more than just your regular agent. So seeing another Double O, let alone one working alongside Bond, was a uh, kind of locked me in from the start like i was immediately interested and uh oh i was just gonna say that's a huge thing with me like, watching the other films they allude to it like you see double o's here and there like this one that gets killed in the clown suit in a roger moore movie and it's there's it a lot of work watching all these <laughs> there's also like really there's also really cool movement uh moments and I, I think there's a moment in thunderball where things have gotten so out of hand and that's actually one of my favorite bond films it feels like the first i already said modern but it feels like the first one to kind of encapsulate like every bond trope insert in terms of like writing and like scope and scale but there's a there's a moment and i'm pretty sure it's thunderball where all the double o's are, are kind of gathered in a meeting uh, but they you get the sense that there's a lot of them but they don't actually show their faces you see bond 
It's something that I did love, and it's another thing that, again, they brought it back in, in Skyfall. Lionel had mentioned how it was so, he thought it was so interesting to kind of see Bond partnered up with another agent in the very beginning. What I th- I really thought that was great as well, and another part that I thought was kind of shocking and really also got me hooked was that when his partner immediately, in the very beginning of the movie, got shot and supposedly killed. That just kind of was like, whoa, that, that just happened. And then the movie kind of carries on. It, I kind of almost felt like usually when you see that sort of that sort of setup, you kind of think they're going to be together throughout the entire film. But right there, it was just mm-hmm. kinda, it was setting it up as kind of a revenge film, which I thought was a yeah. was interesting. Yeah. yeah. Way to start yeah. it. You, revenge is a, a topic that's it's interesting in regards to Bond because License to Kill is a complete revenge film, and it's it's interesting mm-hmm. because it's Bond taking revenge um, here and in Skyfall we it's someone taking revenge on Bond or M or MI6. After the cold open, we get this uh, intro. (laughs) (laughs) Thoughts on on that? Holy shit. That was crazy when he leaped. Okay, so when the plane, I'm assuming you're talking about when the plane was going off the side and he leaps off and then jumps into the plane. (laughs) Jumps Uh, into the... We can talk about that too. Oh, okay, sorry. I think he's talking about the uh, street race. Oh, okay. uh, our first instance of seeing um, Brosnan, I guess. I guess what would make no. him stand out as a Bond is how char- is his charm. Like, yeah. Actually, I was talking about so the, the the cold open is kind of the cold open. I guess I should define this. The cold open is what every Bond film opens with, and that's him in some on a mission or in some sort of trouble, uh, and that kind of comes to a close with the the plane jump. And then we move on to the next staple, which is the intro, which has the song. I love those. And the motion graphics. Yeah. Oh, though, okay. That, yeah. That was pretty good. Seen yeah. a couple. That was... I like Tina Turner. And that song was pretty good. Yeah. The, just the, the whole, <laughs> the whole look of that opening was great. They're always, I love... It, maybe Mike, I'm just kind of curious with the openings, with all the Bond openings. I, I noticed that they're always so. I mean, they all kind of follow the same type of certain pattern with the women kind of doing their things and guns being shot and so on. But when did that start? When did that start becoming a thing? Was that? It's it's from the very beginning. Okay. So, so Doctor No had like a motion graphic kind of thing, which was it's pretty cool. Um, but they didn't really have a song. Like the first one they used was the Bond theme, like the da 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 And then the second movie was from Russia with Love, and that's when they had like, that's when they started to go a little more crazy with motion graphics. And then the song comes in, and it's about the actual film. Yeah. So it, it's it's a staple. Mm, okay. For like over fifty years, but uh, yeah, and they're always feel some are better than others. I think this one's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward um but it's yeah. cool in its symbolism you know um because again it's you know post cold war and you have all these women uh, destroying these these russian icons and, and yeah breaking these statues um, which actually was it was offensive to to some people in communist countries <laughs> i would imagine there, there was a lot of that in that opening scene yeah, oh, yeah. it was it was it was offensive to Indian countries that were communist because they had mm-hmm. the whole film uh, basically the film kind of shows this Russia that's post Cold War and it's very different from communist Russia 
Mm-hmm. And the lyrics to the, to the song are, they, it's basically kind of a letter from Alec to Bond. Yeah. The first line is like, see reflections on the water more than darkness in the depths. See him surface in every shadow on the wind. I feel his breath. Um, and then it, later on, it's kind of like, you'll never know how I watched you from the shadows as a child. You'll never know how it feels to be the one who's left behind. You'll never know the days, the nights, the tears that I've cried. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, we'll get into Alec a little later, but I think those lyrics really speak to his, um, his whole story. It's nice that they put that in there. Yeah, yeah. it is. And some of, them are, <laughs> some of the, the songs are really good, and some of them are just like, what happened? <laughs> but, uh, Quantum of Solace. Uh, yeah, I've... <laughs> let me break off on let me. I got this to say about Quantum of Solace. <laughs> um, so the song, I I actually paid attention to the lyrics last time I listened to it, and it's it's really bad. Uh, the the hook doesn't bother me as much. But fun fact about that movie: that movie is actually fantastic. The reason people yeah. don't like it is because they don't watch it directly after Casino Royale, and that's the way it's meant to be watched. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because it picks up right after. Yeah, same day. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Not only that, but... Like, yeah, only... like like Bond's rage is fresh, that shit, in that yeah. movie. Cause it, so were... it probably feels a little weird yeah. waiting so many years and then coming back to it. Yeah, it was like three years, and it... At the mm-hmm. end of it, you're just like, who the fuck is this guy whose house he's at? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that was what I thought. There was how I saw it. Uh, but yeah, uh, going back to the racing scene, or he meets Zenya. Yeah, he's kind of being evaluated. I think he said something about not having a problem with female authority or something. Yeah, I don't know. I guess we could talk about Zenya now. What do you guys think about Zenya on the top? <laughs> that name. Top? <laughs> On the top, I like that name. Uh, she is she. She's crazy. She gets off. She's one of those people who's getting off on violence, and that was just yeah. That made, yeah, that made that made her character all that much more fun to watch because she just everything she would do, she just really thoroughly enjoyed it. So, uh, but um, yeah, I just liked every time someone you see some sort of encounter with her, which I think the the first one was with that. I guess it was a general in that boat or something. I don't remember exactly. It was some Canadian general or some guy. Admiral. Admiral. Yeah. 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 Um, but that was the first scene where you really kind of got a feel of her character. And, oh, man, you really got to see her character in that scene. Um, uh, I, my co-hosts know this, but you, dear listener, probably don't know this about me yet. Zinnia seems like a character I should be really into. And <laughs> I just found her really uncomfortable and stupid. Zinnia's <laughs> mm. mm. <laughs> so, interesting. Um, and all of the women in this fucking movie are interesting. Um, it's, it's, it was a strange time. Like, when I think about the 90s, when I think about it a little bit harder, I think this was kind of a time where in in media, um, I guess Hollywood or TV networks or whatever, we're trying to push a little harder for women to have somewhat bigger roles, and especially in, in kids' programming. I think we got a lot of uh, interesting characters, but that's just kind of my general feeling about it. Like, I haven't read too much about it. 
but um, it does show in this movie. So yeah, on the commentary, like Martin Campbell and uh, Michael Wilson, the director and the producer, respectively, um, they they talked about you know as a conscious decision that they wanted to make the women tougher, more aggressive, and more independent um, all across the board. Uh, somewhere around this time, we we start getting introduced to a, a couple of um, important female characters. Uh, first is Money Penny. Did you guys listen to her dialogue, or what did you think of her exchange with Bond? It didn't. It was so brief that it didn't. Uh, maybe I didn't pay as much attention as I probably should have. But well, she, I know she was it, talking about how she's basically she was just kind of telling him that you can't have me. You know, you're not. I'm not like all the other women. She was a very strong kind of independent woman. That's the vibe I was getting from her. I, it, it seems kind of like I don't remember. I have like a clear memory of her in any of the earlier movies I've seen, though I haven't seen a lot. But it basically seems like, yeah, Bon, I know what you're doing, and I'm not into it. Yeah. Their whole relationship is predicated on being kind of flirtatious, but never, never sealing the deal, never kissing or going out or anything. Uh, and sometimes Money Penny is more interested, and sometimes she's less interested. Um, but here it just kind of feels like they're just acknowledging that she there's only so long you can put up with that shit like she's just saying like straight up like i have a date i go out i have a life yeah and you i do things that don't involve you yeah and she actually says the word sexual harassment in the workplace too yeah <laughs> it is really the vibe that i kept getting off of this particular bond and the way everyone was talking to him is that he's just pretty much this misogynist, just pig, just kind of just taking advantage of women no, type thing. Well, far. well, I mean, that's what she said. That's what M said directly to yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it seems like like he doesn't he doesn't wait for any kind of sign or signal. He just kind of goes at it regardless. And uh, right, it, it is it is a bit interesting. Like when you see him succeed with it so many times to get just like a flat out failure, specifically in regards to the money penny, and then somebody giving them shit for it with in the case of M. Yeah. I mean that that was a, a big deal and that was a very quoted line. So we're gonna move into M here. Uh, and M is just every film she's in, I, I love her role. Uh, she has a really good role in the world is not enough, actually, and and Skyfall is completely about her relationship with Bond, but this is this is kind of the start, and she comes in with a bang, and it was inspired by actually the head of MI5 at the time, British intelligence. Her name was Stella Remington, the first uh, woman to be head of the organization. When they were writing these sort of things, there really was a response to, like the directors were trying to, you know, the, you have the Cold War's over. And the, you have this third wave feminism thing going on and people are talking about sexual harassment in the workplace and misogynism and all these things that were happening at the time and people were asking a lot of questions about Bond and they were like, you know, is he really relevant anymore? And I think they did a good job of addressing all of that stuff while keeping him relevant and making it interesting. The exchange, I, it's, this is one of my favorite moments in Bond history. M is like you don't like me Bond you don't like my methods you think I'm an accountant and more interested <laughs> in my numbers than your instincts 
And Bond says, the thought had occurred to me, and she says, good, because I think you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War whose boyish charms, the lust on me, obviously appealed to that young girl I sent out to evaluate you. Burn. And, and then again, it, it kind of switches. Like, There's like a power dynamic here where she's making it known that she's his boss, but she kind of turns, she goes... 007, if you don't think I have the balls to send a man out to die, your instincts are dead wrong. I have no compunction about sending you to your death, but I won't do it on a whim, even with your cavalier attitude towards life. I want you to find Goldeneye, etc. And she she calls him on his shit like he knows. Because at this point, we know Oromov is involved, and Bond thinks that Oromov killed Alec at this point. Mm-hmm. Um and she kind of chews him out, but before he leaves, he she stops him and goes, Bond, come back alive. Mm-hmm. That's why I love her character so much, is that she's a just a complete hard-ass, and you very much know that she is in command. And But in the end, you know there is a little bit of emotion there, and she actually does care about her people. And yeah. Yeah, even if it doesn't really, even if she doesn't really show it. Which I, it well, just... yeah, it's it's a little hard to tell how much concern is there, and that's a necessity of mm. the job. Yeah. So it's like you could just see her in like certain moments where you could just see how much is being fought back behind her eyes. And I think more so yeah. in Skyfall than here. Skyfall is completely about that relationship. You know, it's like she says this stuff here, and then you see them put it into a fully formed thought. It's it's fully fleshed out on the screen in Skyfall with that with the opening of Skyfall, mm-hmm. where she does say, "Take the shot," and she shoots him, yeah. and, and she thinks she killed Bond for a good, I don't know, half hour of that film. Mm-hmm. Um, so Goldeneye really sets up that relationship. Yeah, you might talk about. Skyfall a little bit later. At this point, uh, what do you guys think of Wade, the CIA contact, <laughs> oh, the, the American? Um, I can't. I can't tell if they're making fun of. They're trying to make fun of us, or well, well, how should put, I should say? I'm pretty sure they're trying to make fun of us. I just can't <laughs> tell to what degree. Yeah. And it's especially weird because um, what's his name? Felix, they brought him back in uh, Casino Royale, which was kind of a reboot. And yeah, wasn't he a character in previous no. movies? Casino Royale is a complete reboot. Okay. Going back to T-Doll, Felix has been recast so many times. He was in The Living Daylights for a second, and then they actually brought back an actor who played it before and replaced that actor in License to Kill. But the reason that Bond is out for revenge in License to Kill is because... Uh, Felix gets his legs chewed off by a Colombian drug lord's shark, <laughs> uh, and and they kill his wife. Um, and so Goldeneye is still kind of in that canon, mm-hmm. and so they can't really have a legless Felix uh, come out. So yeah. they created this guy Wade. Well, what I'm thinking about here is that okay, there. It's not like this is the first time we've had an American contact, and from. If Felix in the old movies is anything like he is in Casino Royale, then he's pretty, not only just a cool dude, but very capable. <laughs> not quite the uh, comedic point that uh, uh, Jack this guy is. 
Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I love Felix in Casino Royale. I'm kind of bummed. Like, I'm hoping they bring him back in, in newer stuff because he was an inspector. He's referenced inspector, but he's not there. But uh, I will go on record as saying that Jeffrey Wright is the best Felix. I think that's just a, a phenomenal actor in general. But yeah, his voice. I just, I love that line when he meets him because he writes, he's like, brother from Langley. It's so good. <laughs> Joe, what did you think of Muffy? Muffy. <laughs> oh, that was... That, that, that whole little scene where he's kind of... Uh, uh, with with Wade and just and just and Bond and Bond really kind of just forcing him to kind of say everything and kind of go through the whole normal process and Wade just kind of being resistant, just saying whatever you British people and your stupid, you know, secret codes and all this. I thought that was a that whole scene was pretty humorous. But uh, and then yeah. and then finishing it off with the Muffy part, yeah. that was just, that was just that was yeah. great. They, Sledgehammer repairs. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's funny because I thought the joke was going to be he just breaks down the car and gets a new one, but <laughs> that's right. No, that that was um, <laughs> yeah. some something else I, I noticed too. Um, I don't know because I haven't seen a, a bunch of the old Bond films, but in the Daylight one, I noticed that you could tell very clearly who was American and who wasn't American because there's something about their voices <laughs> that was always very apparent that yes, they are American. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. They they play it up. Well, remember to. To, to the British, we have very pronounced yes. and, I guess, in some cases, ridiculous accents. Yeah. <laughs> it's always yeah. a Texan accent or yeah. something related yeah. to that. It's so it's like they're, they're not just yeah. having these guys talk. They're just, they're, they're just like, turn it up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it gets a little better in License to Kill. The License to Kill, actually, a big chunk of it takes place on U.S. soil. So they have, actually... Mm. Um, I didn't notice, but a lot of that cast is is people of color. Hmm. Most of it, if if they weren't British, then they they actually were. Um, and Benicio del Toro's in it, which is worth what makes it worth watching <laughs> immediately. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I just really quickly wanted to mention again, like Wade is making fun of him again. <laughs> talks about like you know, oh, what is this all Cold War spy movie bullshit? <laughs> Just again, hammering that point home. Like, it really hammers that point home, like, several times. That this is, yeah. that Bond is, there's there's kind of, I've noticed there's a few Bond is old movies, mm. if that mm. makes sense. And yeah. this kind of fits into it. Uh, this is, even though he's not old, it's more of a Bond is irrelevant. His methods movie. are old. Yeah, yeah. If you want a Bond is old movie, never say never again. It's a good place to go. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. So he meets Zukovsky. Did you guys like Zukovsky? What did you think, Lad? I'm actually kind of curious what you thought about um, his character. That's 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 the uh, guy Bond gave the limp to, right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is like. I was kind of looking forward to like having having a character just not like Bond at all, and maybe want to kick his ass a bit. That was definitely one of them. But one thing I, I always tend to notice is that when Bond has characters that he meets that that they've had a rough like pass together or something, he always seems to manage to get them to like him eventually. Yeah. <laughs> He's I mean, charming. Yeah, he's very charming. He's yeah, very much charm here. Yeah. That's why I love him. 
I love that. That's mm. one of the things I love about his character. But um, especially like in that scene, I mean, in the beginning, I mean, of course, the guy was really angry at him and made it very clear why he was angry. But uh, <laughs> it just, it just I like how it kind of eventually ended with them working together, yeah. and it's great. Yeah, oh. I love his character. <laughs> I love those moments. That whole exchange is hilarious. <laughs> it's really great. Where they just it, know who it, each other are. Yeah, it's always amusing when like somebody knows Bond and they're not fearful or happy, but just annoyed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh God, you're bullshit again. What do you want? My knee hurts when it is cold out. Do you know how cold, how long the winters are in this country? I love that line. I cracked up. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Fun fact: Academy Award, I think, winner actress Minnie Driver as uh, mm. the singing girl in the background. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But the whole dynamic there is they they have this past with each other, but it's a past that's, again, irrelevant. It took place during the Cold War. Things were different. And Russia was really changing at this time. Zhukovsky, he's a really quick line. He's just like, the free market economy is going to be a death of me. Mm-hmm. So this is also the scene where Bond learns a little bit more about, at this point, Yanis is the villain that he's chasing after. Yeah. So Zhukovsky has a little bit of information. He, he talks about the... The, uh, him being a Lian's Cossack. Um, do you guys know what that is at all? No, I don't. Uh, vaguely. So I'll run through it. And they went through it in the film, I believe. And I think he says it. So basically, the Cossacks were, I kind of have it in front of me, they were an ethnic group kind of around Russia and they fought for the Nazis during World War II. Hmm. Let's see, the repatriation of Cossacks after the Second World War refers to the forced repatriation to the USSR of the Cossacks and ethnic Russians and Ukrainians who are allies of Nazi Germany during the Second World War. This was agreed to at the Yalta Conference. Uh, Stalin claimed that these people were Soviet citizens as of 1939. Most of these Russians were people who fought the Allies in World War II. So Russia didn't like them, the Allies didn't really like them. (laughs) And Alianz Cossack is a... So uh, on May 28th, uh, in 1945, the British arrived at this camp in Lienz where there were about 2,500 Cossacks. Um, about 2,200 of them were officers and sh- soldiers. So I'm not sure the exact numbers, but it does mean a lot of them were probably family members and just civilians. The British were basically, since this, this deal at the Yalta conference got down where Stalin was like, give us give us these people back their citizens they can come back the, the british were, were there to assist the the cossacks to, to getting repatriated meaning sent back to russia which they didn't want to do because stalin had a rep <laughs> i think we know i mean you guys know stalin was a bad guy right yeah yes he murdered tons yep. of people yeah. bad yeah. dude but during the war he was uncle joe mm. so British went to invite the Cossacks to an important conference with British officials, informing them that they would return to Lienz by 6 o'clock that evening. Some of the Cossacks were worried, but the British reassured them everything was fine. I give you my word of honor as a British officer that you're just going to a conference. And that by that point, actually, British-Cossack relationships were pretty friendly. I guess people had gotten to know each other. And I guess there was a, a lot of resistance here. The Cossacks forcefully resisted the British repatriation to the USSR. Someone remarked that the the NKVD, which is like a Russian secret service at the time, I think, or the Gestapo, which is 
German, uh, sort of equivalent. Um, they would have slain them in the trenches, but the British did it with their word of honor. So, so many people were committing suicide because they didn't want to go. Officers were shooting themselves. Um, the Cossacks actually refused to board the trucks. Um, British soldiers with armed with pistols and clubs were using their clubs, beating the prisoners, like knocking them out and dragging them and throwing them into trucks. People were jumping out. They hit them with the rifle butts. Basically, they were forced to go back to, to Stalin. And Stalin had a lot of these people killed. Uh, and so this is kind of where... This is Alec Trevelyan's whole backstory. Man, that's intense. Yeah. There's a lot going on there. It's, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. Did you guys notice who uh, Tidal's buddies were in the living daylights at the end? Oh, I should remember. Uh, when he's in Afghanistan, riding with the Mujahideen. Yeah. They're basically, don't quote me, I don't know if it's exactly right, but they turned into the Taliban. Oh. Yeah. Uh, because well, at yeah. one point... The Taliban wasn't always bad. Well, not necessarily. I'm, I'm not sure about all of the history there, but basically we were funding the Mujahideen and the Taliban. I don't know if they're the same, but the Taliban, because Russia was our enemy during the Cold War, and Russia was invading Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we were training and giving weapons to these people so they could fight off the, the Russians, basically. There was a whole movie on that. Well, it, it made me, like, I kind of real, realized this when I thought, like, why is it that ace? Why is it that the first place I think of when I look at this Soviet gun, the AK-47, is Afghanistan? And then I had to look into the connection between the two, and yeah. They dive into messy history, like giving Alec this background, but also with Living Daylight, so it was more like, looking back on it now, it's like, oh, he's riding around with the Taliban. I actually really like that character that he meets in Living Daylight, so. Mm-hmm. After this, he meets Yanis, and we get introduced to, to Alec Trevelyan, our villain, uh, what did you guys think of Alec? Uh, so, wait, it's just one with the guy. So is this, I know there's there's two villains, right? There was the his his agent buddy who turned evil, and then there we're was the... About six. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about him. Okay, oh, okay, all right, gotcha. Uramov right. is the general who's kind of his lackey, who yeah. shoots him in the beginning. Yeah, him, uh, yeah, I was kind of shy. I was kind of shocked when I first saw that because, like, well, first of all, I thought he was dead, and <laughs> I, I was like, okay, well, he's back now. That's cool. Uh, so, and now he's evil, and he's got this huge scar, and there's all this stuff happening. And then when he started talking about his backstory uh, and just how it all kind of came to be and why he was doing what he was doing, and I just thought, wow, this guy, this guy's got a, he's a little confused. That's what. I, that's what. I, <laughs> That's the based off of his story. It didn't really seem to make a lot of sense, and Bond pointed that out. Like he says, like, dude, you're, you're. I don't. Do you understand what? You, I don't, <laughs> his character, I thought was a. Uh, um, he didn't seem. He didn't seem as evil as I. Th- I mean, he was evil, obviously, but not as evil as the usual Bond villain. He wanted revenge. like hand wringing, cackling, yeah, maniacal. Yeah. The world is mine. Yeah. And I guess I should clarify that that backstory is meant to be for his parents. Okay. Uh, and and he says it that that is what happened to his parents. And then, furthermore, his 
I think they were allowed to be or stay in the UK or something. Mm. But basically, basically the Cossacks betrayed Russia, and then the Cossacks were betrayed by the British. Um, and his father had survivor's guilt because he survived that whole or- ordeal and uh, basically killed himself and his, his Alex's mother. So Alex was orphaned that way. And that's when he joined the British, right, to to, to work. And, well, they, uh, it sounds kind of like they took him in yeah. more than joined because he yeah. says like they thought I was too young to remember. It's a running theme where they mention it a lot. Is that MI6 uh, picks up orphans? Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That is yeah. dirty. Yeah, it is dirty. Yeah, yeah. Wait, was it this movie or was it uh, Skyfall, where Skyfall. M saying orphans make the best agents? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Here by itself was just kind of brutal. Mm. That's not cool, man. <laughs> That's it's yeah. kind of messed up. That is dark. It is uber yeah. grim dark. Yeah, it comes up in in Skyfall as well, but because Bond's an orphan as well. Mm. Yeah. When they were talking about casting, they were saying that it, it's it was important to cast someone like Sean Bean because it was important to cast someone that could have been Bond. And uh, Sean Bean was actually in the running for Bond hmm. uh, at a certain point. I got a confessions to make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, think, I think Sean Bean himself is good. Uh, I like the idea of Trevelyan, or maybe just the idea... And I'm not sure if we'll get into this later. That, uh, well, hey, just seeing the kind of damage a double O could do if turned against the turned against the world, and also the possibility that maybe they're not the monsters. They're not the people hunting the monsters. They're monsters turned on other monsters, and they're yeah. they have the potential to be the same villains they kill, but. Like, like the idea comes across and uh, Bean's good, but Trevelyan didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, like, it didn't make sense. Well, well, going over it the second time, like, for one, I could not figure out why he was so pissed off at Bond, why I was like, you, you betrayed me, you left me. And it, it took me going through it the second time, specifically the line where Bond's talking to uh, uh, the Talia, is that what her name was? Yeah. Yeah. And he he basically tells her, you always bluff. And it made me think back to the scene where he's like, James, do it. You know, you got to do it. Finish the job. And I yeah. thought, okay, maybe it's a bluff. And maybe they're both agents. They're both trained the same way. Maybe he thought yeah. Bond would do that. But it's real easy. Maybe I'm dumb, but it seemed really easy to miss. But it also felt... Like, you are putting way too much on Bond here. I mean, part of it is, I think he is not jealous, but it's, it's, he comes from a different background, too, as well. And, like, and Bond is, he says it later, like, James Bond, Her Majesty's loyal Terry. Alec has a lot of interesting dialogue about Bond. Um, mm. You know, it, it's, he sees Bond as kind of a, a lapdog who just does what he's told and doesn't consider uh, these things like the how the british treated like alex's family that's mm-hmm. well that's what's why he's so bitter but a big part of it and especially in skyfall is you kind of see the damage that just the job does to these to these people yeah um, i think um they do something very similar in skyfall that comes across a lot better i will give you that he does have some 
he has a lot of dialogue that necessitates sort of like ruminating, kind of marinating on, uh, chewing on a bit. Sorry, I'm hungry, which is why I keep <laughs> going to food analogies. Um, it specifically he says, uh, yeah, "Congratulations, you've done the job, but you, the world you've come back to isn't the one you fought for." Thinking yeah. like maybe that's more of that. It's not the Cold War. So Alec, is, I mean, if you think about Bond, it's like, why does he keep doing this? Why? He talks about it with Natalia later. This is the only way he knows how to stay alive. It's, it's like literally the only thing he knows. Mm-hmm. And he can't get close to anybody. Whereas Alex says no, you know? And in Skyfall, Bond gets, for all intents and purposes, murdered in that opening, like killed by M because of her decision. Um, and he comes back because he's loyal, but Eventually. You know, yeah, but he does come back when he sees that M is uh, being been attacked. Yeah. I mean, Silva is this, is the same thing. M left him to die. Um, yeah, didn't send help, and he was he was a little understandably pissed about that. So that's kind of what happened with with Alec. I actually really like Alec a lot. I think he's he's one of my favorite Bond villains, if if not my favorites. Just because he, he has Bond's no, number in so many regards. The more we talk about GoldenEye, it's, it's crazy, because we keep bringing up Skyfall, it's crazy how similar these two movies are. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I picked these for a reason. Okay, that, that probably... All right, I see you now. But <laughs> <laughs> it's all coming together now. There's a lot of yeah. recurring elements across the two. Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I mean, I did like him... As the villain, he seemed to be very clear in, in you know why he was doing things and what he was angry about, and I, I always thought that that was. That was I, I, that was, I was clear about some of the anger. I was mm. clear about the anger against his country, the people he worked for, and maybe like him hitting this realization of okay, maybe I'm not different from these people they sent me out to kill. Yeah, maybe they make more sense. Like, yeah. you know, very much like they they do a decent job with the idea of the hero turned villain in theory. It, it's mainly it's mainly his his beef with Bond and just how angry he is at him. Yeah. That I have a hard time with. You caught the the joke later, right? This is jumping ahead a little bit, but on the train right before he leaves them. With the six minutes? No, 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 not that. Yeah, oh, was that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Oh, and he tell he tells him six minutes, and yeah. Bond's like, "We got to three minutes. Get off of here." Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's the same six minutes you gave me. So yeah, it, it's it is a little. Can I get... <laughs> Again, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm missing something here, but it's like you didn't you changed the thing to three to complete the mission rather than like. Was Bond supposed to know that Alec was dead? Is that what's going on here? Because that's the only way I can make sense of this. What do you mean? He thought he was dead. Well, no, that's the thing. Like he says, you he's complaining that you put it to six minutes. You put it to three minutes instead of six. And because of this, my face is burnt. But that would only make sense if he thought that Bond knew he was faking or had survived or something. Right. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, he's probably bitter that he didn't check, but he didn't really have the opportunity. <laughs> so, so yeah, but, I mean, it was a- agreed upon. Like, there was probably a moment that we didn't see where Alec got up and was like, ah, I still got three minutes left to get out of here because my buddy did what we said, 
we did agreed on six minutes, <laughs> and I got oh nope, there's my face. <laughs> yeah. the idea, that's kind of funny. He's but he's up, he's whistling. He's <laughs> 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 your cat shot towards the door and then fire. <laughs> but I mean, but outside of him just being angry at Bond about not looking, not going back and seeing if he was actually okay before he became crispy face man. But I mean, it's just, I think the other thing why, at least what I think why he's so also angry at him too, is that after he kind of woke up and like you, you guys were saying that, you know, he is, that he's kind of one of these people and that with Bond, Bond's just pretty much, he just follows orders. He just does whatever he needs to do to get the yeah. mission complete. And that's his only focus for just about everything in life. And he's, and he's getting angry at him and saying like, Dude, wake up, man, there's more to this well, than just following orders. I mean, I mean, well, let me uh, jump to something that kind of did this well, in a way uh, under the red hood. Wait, this might be a spoiler for under the red hood. Um, shit about spoilers. I've seen it. All right, spoiler for Under the Red Hood, uh, the uh, Batman animated film. If you want to see that for like the next, I don't know, two minutes. But uh, you know, when the Red Hood's revealed to be Jason Todd, you know, he says he tells Batman, you know, I forgive you for all that. I understand you not killing, but why is this guy still alive? Like, if we'd gotten Alex saying, and you didn't take vengeance for me, did you even care? Mm. That might, you know, that might have a bit more weight to it. Like. I, mean, I could then maybe understand some anger too. I mean, that is kind of what he's saying. Uh, he doesn't exactly say that, but in roundabout ways, he's like, "You're just loyal. You're a lap dog. Yep. You're, you're you don't care about attachments. You know, you you've killed so many people. Later on, he has this great dialogue about uh, the Martini silence, the screams of the men you killed. Yeah, you find and, comfort in terms of uh, willing women. Yeah, or they remind the you of all the ones that, yeah, exactly. Um, I like that line. Yeah, it's really good. He has a lot of amazing dialogue. But, mm-hmm. There's uh, one thing I gotta give him, is like, everything he says is worth like taking the heart. So there's another dynamic at play here. Uh, so he's kind of like this, he's like this shadow version of, of Bond, we've established that. But a person that we haven't talked about that I actually think is the most interesting character in this film, and I just love that she exists, is Natalia. And she is kind of, there's that dynamic that Alec and Bond have, but there's another dynamic that's not so pronounced, but I pick up on is that this contrast between Natalia and Xenia. And placed in the context of Bond films, you have this, this character who's extremely violent and sex crazed and kind of not too developed. She's uh, raw she's, id. She's interesting because she stands in such stark contrast to Natalia, who is, I, I mean, she's easily my favorite Bond girl. We actually spend a lot of time getting to know Natalia, where we just spend time watching her doing things. Mm-hmm. What did you guys think of Natalia? Well, I kind of, there's certain things I like about her, and certain things I think they do well with her. Like, they do a really good job to a. Uh, elicit the sympathy for because uh, poor girl her introduction is rough but you know even in the face of that you you get to see see you know she, she's uh, very clever which is something i like about her she's very she has the capacity to take care of herself even when she's in over her head which is uh nice to see from a bond girl especially the you know 
uh, in quotes, love interest. Um, I like that she's got her own skill set that's uh, it's, um, programmer. Yeah, well, that that uh, she makes herself a necessity, maybe even outside of Bond. Like she could conceivably solve this problem herself if she had the means. Bond, I guess, becoming the means. Um, I didn't always find her putting her foot in Bond's ass entertaining. Like, <laughs> there's some moments where it's just kind of annoying, but like uh, that's that's more a personal thing for me. Like when. Like any moment here, he's trying to figure something out, and she's screaming at him to do it. Kind of like, again, that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just if I were Bond in that situation, I'd turn around and be like, "Would you shut up? I'm trying." <laughs> a lot of Bond girls get captured a lot. Uh, damseling is a big thing that people are tired of these days. Um, though uh, something I noticed about this was that she, if she gets captured, usually Bond's like not far behind in getting captured as well. Yeah. That's there's, true. There's a point later where, where she does kind of during the, the tank scene, but early on when they're in the helicopter and then later on when uh, they get captured by Alec at the end. But even then, she's like, she's doing her own shit. I guess that's maybe one of the things I was trying to say before that I kind of like about her. It's, that it's not like as much as I like uh, um, Living Daylights, the... Um, I remember the name of the woman in that one. She's very much kind of like hanging on the Bond's arm most of the movie. Yeah, she whereas doesn't like, really. Yeah, she has nothing. Whereas like Natalia, they get into that base and they're like, "Okay, let's split up." Yeah, exactly. You do your thing, I'll do my thing. Uh, but Joe, what did you think of Natalia Fyodorovna Simonova? <laughs> Gotta love those Russian names. Uh, well, yeah, I'm just I'm completely with with Lionel. That was the number one thing. I like I love that she was very assertive, like Lionel was saying. I mean, whenever they were in a situation, Bond didn't he say, "All right, go over here, you do this." She's like, "No, man, fuck this, I got this." And she just went to the keyboard and started typing and doing her thing. I mean, even in the train. I mean, every and every. <laughs> it was funny because with those scenes when she would go over and do her thing. She was so assertive that she was kind of telling Bond what to do in the sense, like, at first in the helicopter, she was like, help you save us, wake up. I know Lionel got a little annoyed by that, but if she wasn't screaming and she wouldn't have woke him up probably and they probably would have exploded or whatever. But well, I, don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't think her doing that is a bad thing. I just personally, like, if I were dealing with her as a person, I'd probably find that aspect of her personality annoying. Yeah, and then in the other scenes, like in the train or just pretty much any part where she needed to start doing something with the computer or, or whatever. She just, it, it almost seemed like she was telling Bond what to do in, in those times. Uh, like yeah. there's one little back and forth they had where she was trying to solve the riddle and she just kind of, you know, asked Bond, like and he said chair or whatever, but it's just, I really like the, the dynamic between the two and their back and forth. Yeah. It was always yeah. her telling him, not her tell, not not him telling her. It's and, like they pull each other out of these situations with, which is a relationship that yeah. I I really yeah I like really that a lot yeah and, and I loved when, <laughs> right when they kind of first met and he's kind of helping her out of the helicopter the first thing she does like get, just get off of me I don't yeah. need your help I don't need your help at all just get, get <laughs> yeah. away from me I love that she does well, the shit kick yeah. which cracks me yeah. up every time yeah she's just, show, yeah, she's just think, showing that she really does not need anyone's help she's very independent I think um, if there's not even necessarily a trade off but like the only dance that I could see to this characterization is that the turnaround on them becoming like an item left me as confused as the tent scene yeah. from Brokeback Mountain. 
<laughs> I still haven't seen that. So no spoilers. But that's that's that, all I'll say. That is one of the <laughs> that that is one of the things that uh, I feel like that scene like moves too. Quick. It's it's just yeah, a little it's... too fast, and it, it's it's strange because the next scene is them on the beach in Cuba, mm. and I feel like mm. that's such a great scene, and it makes sense. It's like they could have just cut that kiss and let that be their first kiss. But they were showing some restraint with it. Like, they don't even... Yeah, that that scene after the train was so sudden, I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on? Does Brosnan got pheromones coming out or something? Like, yeah. that, that was just weird. That, that whole quick turn, yeah, I, it was super yeah. weird. Yeah, it was a quick turn, but it, I just feel like it could have been solved so much easier by just cutting that and letting the movie play, because it makes that scene on the beach so much more... Well, the it's... scene on the beach would have been confusing, too. Like, I, I don't think there's, like, I don't, a, I don't a, like a so. civil conversation between the two of them up until that point. Well, that is the civil conversation. Like, they've got... Yeah, it's the first, and they're making they're... out after... Uh, I mean, they've still been together for a while, so, I mean, but at that point, they're kind of getting into this this other place with Bond, where they bring it mm-hmm. down and kind of try to... Well, yeah, like, like she you asks, gotta, gotta kill your friend. <laughs> she's like, why? Why do, you, why do you keep living like this? Okay, we kind of skipped over it, but I want to go back to, like, the, the tank chase before <laughs> it. When they, when they, oh, they do, they do no have respect. a... Sure. Well, before that, they have a a moment together where he's trying to figure out who she is and, and he's like, I, I work for this British government. And But uh, when uh, the defense minister, uh, Mishkin, comes in and him and Bond start going at it again. Boys. Was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boys with toys. They, they go at it and it's just like, and it's basically just this old Cold War tension just rising and it's pretty funny. And then she... It tells them to stop it. You're like you're like boys with toys. I I really feel like this line is kind of encapsulates the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, pretty much. Big tanks, just boys with toys. It's like no restraint from Bond during that tank chase. He didn't give a shit. <laughs> that was what the Cold War was. It was boys playing with toys. Really? I, have, I have my missiles, and I have you have yours, and we're not going to use them. But let's see who's is bigger. You know, pretty much. That's pretty much in a nutshell. Yeah. And it's dumb boy shit. And she's just is on point with it. I love that she calls that out. The chase scene. Thoughts? <laughs> it's best. Well, well, like I said, Bond don't give no fucks. No, no. he doesn't. No. Right. Jesus Christ, man! I was sitting there the whole time. I was like, God, Bond, take it easy. Seriously. <laughs> no, he just he just kept going. I was just yeah. thinking, it's like, okay, okay, who's gonna eat shit for this? Because I'm, I'm, all I can think about right now is like MI6. Like, okay, who's getting yelled at? <laughs> who then turns around and yells at somebody else? And how does this eventually make its way back to Bond? <laughs> like, I want to see the movie where he's sitting there talking to Q and all the funny gadgets go off and like M just bust through the door like Bond you son of a bitch <laughs> the bill that happens, that happens in Quantum of Solace where he just goes too far and she's just mm-hmm. like you know what license to kill revoked you're going crazy stop <laughs> it I'm taking away your toys no more 
You, you yeah. even blink at me wrong. I will lobotomize your ass. But Pierce's Bond especially, and maybe it's just because it was the 90s, like, uh, riding the action wave, and they could do more with, I don't know, they had the budgets and stuff, but Pierce's... And you get this a little bit with T-Dalt. T-Dalt will, like, wreck your whole operation. Like, like in License to Kill, he, from the bottom to the top, wrecks this Colombian drug lord's entire operation. And it's, <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> He just he just bites and doesn't let go. Mm-hmm. But but Pierce, uh, watching rewatching all of Pierce's movies, Pierce was kind of the master of chaos. <laughs> In each movie, yeah. he's well, just it, like... it's kind of funny. Um, Dalton has elements, has moments like this in uh, Living Daylights, but they kind of like elevate it to an art form where it's kind of like. <laughs> the vehicles kind of degrade over time and become smaller and smaller well i mean she, if you got uh, she made some with natalia that wasn't yeah that was her name. uh she made a comment on that about how like pierce kept destroying everything yeah. <laughs> that was fun it just only gets crazy like you watch each pierce movie and it's just like goddamn like at the end he's the ice palace and the sun laser <laughs> And the windsurfing on a tsunami. <laughs> it's a. Uh, they got too ridiculous. Yeah, that's Pierce's Bond. It's very much a character of Bond where he he won't let go of things and he'll stop at nothing to get the job done. But uh, yeah. Pierce, and he takes it to another level. He, like he's a, a fair amount of the stuff he's. Like he didn't crash through the window, but he like jumped from the thing afterwards, and he's a pretty physical bond right up there with daniel craig craig had to step it up in the post yeah. oh he, yeah and he did what was it um i guess i guess uh, what was it the follow the following movie that was uh was that tomorrow never dies yeah yeah michelle yo in that movie uh, makes a lot more sense now yeah also tomorrow never dies maybe my first bond movie and michelle yo is what sold it for me mm-hmm. yeah she's great in that I think they do hold off on the romance a little bit more. Uh, uh, it's not until the end. end of that movie, yeah. like the very end. And it makes a little more sense. And that's that's kind of another reason why I like The Living Daylights is he's kind of, apart from slapping Money Penny's ass in the beginning, which, hmm. like, did you guys catch that? Yeah, I saw that. I don't even remember it, so yeah, I must have missed it. See, I, I missed it a few times and then I rewatched it with headphones on and I was and I had to rewatch it a couple times and I was just like I don't think he actually did that. I think they added in a sound effect <laughs> to, to make that happen. Cuz there wasn't there wasn't a motion. You just kind of heard it. Yeah, you heard it. It was it kind of made me mad cuz it seems out of character for T-Dalt's Bond. Um, yeah. And it feels like studio meddling. Hmm. So, <clears throat> actually Mike, I'm curious I know we talked about a little bit about the the story in Goldeneye about the revenge part and the you know, the agent and stuff. But what did you think about the actual you know the Goldeneye story, the actual with the the missiles and that whole plot? The crazy uh, evil satellite. Yeah, that yeah. stuff. Ode. Like, I, mean, so, I, I didn't do, do MP, EMPs work like that. I thought they just shut everything down. Like again. like it's like the the whole point like Goldeneye. It's a satellite that like fires like a widespread EMP mm-hmm. like your magnetic pulse just like shut down, shuts down all electronics yeah. but yeah. I thought they would just turn off like everything explodes when they use that thing in the arctic base they took a little bit of liberty <laughs> yes. I think the idea is that yeah. 
certain things are shutting down and, and they're not working properly and then some things explode. And also because it's, I, I don't know, but it, it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's also like the, uh, the planes malfunctioning and then going out of control. Mm-hmm. So many explosions. What was your question? Was it about just the satellite or the whole plot? Just just that part of the plot, the actual golden eye system thing. What did you think of that story uh, element? I well, that in way. a previous episode, you were going on about how uh, hacking satellites was really yeah. Yeah. We just talked about hackers, and it's here we go again. And <laughs> guess what? Tomorrow never dies. More satellites. <laughs> uh, world is not enough. <laughs> Even more satellites. It's not the main focus, but they, they play a part. Um, it's just, I know, it's another side effect of the Bond entering kind of the, I don't know, modern era. Mm. I do I do like the plot. That's another part of Alec is not, well, he is sort of after revenge on a grand scale. He, so I did you guys catch his rigmarole at the end, his grand villain? Well, I think it, this is the word, he's, the term he says, he says, uh, I'm going to send Britain or the UK back to the Stone Age. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He financially he wanted to ruin Britain as revenge for the thing of his parents. Uh, another aspect of that was that uh, records would be destroyed uh, relating to his family. Yeah, I think that's about it. <laughs> well, I'd say that's quite enough for yeah, yeah. of, of a <laughs> just uh, a motive role of stuff. Like if he has access to this thing, then. Now he's got the means of destroying, controlling information by you know by destroying it, which he can offer up to the highest bidder if need be. Mm-hmm. Like he was that step short of being a full on, the well like the exact same Bond villains he's probably taken down in the past. Those last moments, what did you think of the time in Cuba and the? Uh, how did you feel about the, the big dish? Joe. The big dish. The uh, big dish and, and yeah. Boris. We didn't even talk about Boris with the pen. I and the, the... Oh, man. I remember He's that so... line. As a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did this movie come out? 1995? Yep. Yeah, 1995. Yeah. We were yeah. all saying that on the schoolyard. Yeah. That's, that's why I remember. That's the, that's the line, the one line that is most memorable to me for this movie. Um, and the pen, the, the the twiddling of the pen. That's that whole part. But yeah, I love Boris. Boris is great. He was just everybody. He was the main character. I mean, it wasn't Bond. It wasn't anyone else. It was always Boris. Everyone just wanted to, you know, just be all about him. But uh, I like how he ended, though. All frozen. Uh, good stuff. But um, yeah. but uh, I, I, actually, I just wanted to, to go back for a second, too. There was another scene, some back and forth between Alec and... Um, Excuse me, and uh, and Bond when Bond was based uh, when he was telling Bond about his his big master plan and stuff, and then Bond was just pretty much taking away from that that okay, so you're just pretty much just gonna be a common thief, uh, a bank robber, if you will, and then he was like saying, no, Bond, you just you don't get it. Sure, I'm getting the money, but I'm gonna do so much more damage than that. And right there, I thought that was a great type of villain because he's just he's not thinking at a really low level. He's got much bigger and crazier plans of just yeah. not world domination, but like world destruction starting kind of with Britain. Well, and yeah, I'm sure he would yeah. have gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I mean, like this is maybe the step between the double O agents and the bond billet. Yeah. That, that 
step because you think about the money he could probably get that money on his own no problem and oh yeah have no notice it was more about the results of that you know obtaining it in that way it was clearly about revenge it was about destruction it was about wanting to hurt some part of the world yeah i mean that's that's a villain that's what made him great so I can see why you liked him a lot, Mike. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's a good I, character. I do love him, but I, I think you're. I don't know what were you saying earlier about him? Jump kills that he just. He is. I mean, in a way, I think what you're saying is kind of he is kind of petty in some ways. Like he is just after revenge. Mm-hmm. So Boris has kind of been Natalia's rival through the whole. <laughs> he's kind of one step ahead of her, and then she catches up to him. And then at the end, Bond gets captured, and then they captured Natalia. But Natalia gets to a computer, and 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 basically uh, saves the world. She saves England mm-hmm. at this computer. She's actually yeah. the hero of this film. Yeah. Uh, did you guys catch that? That Natalia is the basically she's the one who saved England. Yeah, because she put yeah, the, the password thing in there, right? Happening. Yeah. Yeah. So she, she she took down the big evil super weapon. Yeah, and she bested Boris, which is uh, I don't know. So we've talked about I think in X Men we mentioned the Bechtel test, but Goldeneye definitely doesn't pass that. Mm-hmm. Um, but do you guys know what the Mako Mori test is? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. No, I still haven't seen it. Uh, it's based off Pacific Rim, and basically it's like a jump cables. Do you know what it is? Well, I've seen Pacific Rim. And I'm guessing that's the name of the uh, female lead. Let's call her. Yeah, so it's it's basically a female character who gets her own narrative arc that doesn't rely on pleasing or just helping isn't, the man. Isn't driven by the the man or the male character. It's not in yeah. relation to him. Yeah, um, she has a scene on there, a scene which made me fucking cry like a little baby. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's but, uh, it's part of her backstory. Rewatching this again a while ago, and when I decided to watch this, I, Natalia was really what made me want to talk about it. And I didn't even realize until like the last rewatch I did that she is actually the hero of this film. <laughs> but she she does get her own narrative arc. Like she's with Bond, but she's she's completely integral to to the plot. Uh, she well she moves the plot forward a few times, and then she kind of solves this problem. And then it's kind of like resolving her own issue as well. Like yeah. Bond kind of feels more like the vehicle through which she sort of, I guess, I don't know, you can say avenges her team or just kind of like overcomes this trauma she suffers yeah. at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, well, she overcomes Boris. It's a big thing. Your nemesis. Uh, yeah. So they're kind and of Goldeneye. Yeah. If she's getting revenge on anything, it's Goldeneye. Yeah. I mean, she solves the big conundrum, and then all that's left is for Bond to fight Alec. Which, speaking of fights, that was a good ass fight. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, it was. They were throwing shit everywhere. Like that's 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 the fight between two people trying not to die. Yeah. <laughs> like, God, like it like kind of puts in perspective. Yeah, these people are killers, and like I would I would not want to have to deal with either one of them. I'm not even sure which one of them is worse. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, it's Pierce Brosnan and uh, Sean Bean just going at it. I mean, they choreographed it. Uh, the director said that 
everything was pretty storyboarded out, but the fight scene is it's just that's my favorite. Yeah, it's probably one of my it's my favorite Bond fight scene. Mm. It's just it's just dirty. The way it's shot is amazing and edited. Um, I think on the commentary, the director said that there's only one shot where it's not the two of them. I love it that they're just at each other's throat at the end. Meanwhile, the whole plot is already resolved, <laughs> basically. Yeah, it felt very raw. It was just them. It's kind of just... a bookend, but a very important one. You can't have an evil double O wandering the world. <laughs> God knows. Yeah. You got to nip that blood real quick. And I, uh, the line always stuck with me, too. You kind of get the sense of their personalities um, in those last couple lines that they have together where before Bond drops down. But of course, and this is pointed out by the director, that someone, when they point a gun at Bond, they never pull the trigger right away. <laughs> but he, he real quickly, he's just like, you know, James, I was always better. And that's basically, mm -hmm. that's his whole character. Yeah. Uh, and then before he drops him, Bond kind of, he does change or, or learn something going back to the scene where they where he first realizes alec is a villain he pierce kind of sells it i can't believe yeah it's like yeah. i appreciated that i appreciated that like genuine shock for a moment before it seems like he kind of goes back into the role like you get this brief instance of like honest humanity out of bond yeah. before yeah. he goes back to the agent it's very much uh, Pierce is playing Bond, but Bond is playing 007. Mm. Um, yeah, that, that's that's the best way to put it, yeah. It, it's that coldness, that T-Dog coldness. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, and he says right before he drops him, you know, he looks up and he says, for England, James, and he drops him. And he's just like, no, for me. So <laughs> Bond gets his, his closure there. Man, does he. And it's just, oh, the the stunts in these Bond movies are just, they kind of blow my mind. Because when, I mean, the, I guess the, the cuts that they kept doing when he was, after Bond dropped him and he was just dropping really far down. I mean, they didn't, they showed it all. The man dropped all the way down and then he slams yeah. down at the bottom and you see his face is it's all like, red and bloodied and it's just. That's, that's messed up. That kind of fall. That's time to think. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's time to regret your life choices. Yeah. I mean, they do. Amazing, just such an amazing job with these stunts. And just like even in the in the daylight movie, the the stunts there were just mind blowing. The living daylights, Joe. I know. I'm sorry. I keep getting it. I keep getting the name wrong. Um, but it's just, it's just um, yeah. I mean, even even in the in the very open of the movie with the whole airplane and him going off the the cliff with the, the motorcycle, just all of that. It's just amazing. All these stunts are just so great. It's pretty bananas. It really is. Uh, let's see. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about just Bond and M and Skyfall. So yeah, I, I made you guys watch Skyfall. Having just had this conversation, what do you guys have to say about Skyfall? So freaking amazing movie. I was actually, even though I had already seen Skyfall, there were still moments in that movie where my jaw had dropped, and I was like, "What? That that just happened? That actually just happened? And it's just all the and M, God." That woman, she's just. Yeah, I, I mean, like you were saying, the relationship between yeah, the, the relationship between M and and Bond is very, very much the center point of uh, that this particular movie, and it's just it's great. I mean, just their whole back and forth, their relationship, everything about it. it it's just, and then kind of 
when near the end of the movie where they kind of uh they kind of go back in time if you will to where kind of things were began for bond and even the discussions they're having then it, it's just everything about yeah. that movie is fantastic i really liked it a lot it's really good the i want to say the um what is the name of the villain in that movie? I know it's um, Tiago, Tiago, Tiago yeah. Rodriguez or something. Raul Silva, Raul. I think. Silva, or, really? or just Silva. He has two names. He has a Silva. real name. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, you know, talking about M, she won't say it to his face. She won't say his real name to his face. Mm. Yeah. She, what she says to him when he's like, say my name, say my real name, is she's mm-hmm. cold as ice. She's just, your name is on the wall of agents who were killed in action at MI6 headquarters and I'm gonna have it stricken off. (laughs) This is that was I wanna say across Daniel Craig's run and I haven't seen Spectre yet, so I don't know if there's a moment like this, but I wanna say in each one of those movies there's a scene that just makes me think, God, this spy game is dirty. And that was that was the one for Skyfall. The three movies or the two movies before it kind of they, they build up Bond into into kind of being Bond, and then they do Skyfall, which is, well, we've already said it's about their relationship, but... It's also um, about Bond getting old. Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. It, it, it is a Bond is old movie, Rewatching it. I noticed that. Uh, <laughs> it really yeah. is. <laughs> the, world, the world is not enough. Skyfall, Never Say Never Again, and Goldeneye are all kind of either Bond is old... <laughs> Physically, or he's irrelevant, or both. <laughs> I guess I have to see the other ones to know for certain, but like they really hammer that home here. Not only is he old, and some people trying to say, yeah, you've had it. But um, uh, I feel like in some cases, there's even some, some instance of, maybe we don't need you anymore. Exactly. And Skyfall takes it to a whole other level. Emma has that conversation with Mallory at the beginning where you know they're asking a lot of questions about the double o program and we actually are going to have to ask you to resign in two months Mm. so there's this whole questioning of mi6 as a whole which Mm. they kind of touch on a little bit inspector but not as much as i'd like Uh, but this this movie does go there with with m and bond and their place in the world but they're very much they're similar but they have different value and judgment calls that get at odds with each other mm. I, feel, I feel like M sees a bigger picture mm-hmm. but it's, uh, where it's she like, has to worry about how things are going to look well yeah like 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 I was joking about before she's the one that's got to deal with the <laughs> bill for that damn tank run uh, so uh, uh, about the villain in Skyfall uh, he it was very much kind of kind of almost the same revenge story that we were talking about kind of in GoldenEye but this guy Oh, this guy. This he's what was it? He had been planning it for almost like, for years. It seemed, if I can remember correctly, that they were saying uh, he planned it all out. His getting captured and just kind of the explode, just everything. I mean, he had been. Yeah. I mean, I understand that wasn't he, he was tortured by the Chinese, wasn't it? And he was kind. Of, that's why he was pissed yeah, that they who didn't did he get captured by. I think it was the Chinese or someone or I'm I can't, not sure. can't, can't remember exactly, but I remember that he was just so angry about all of that and it's just to to be dwelling on that and planning for literally years that man well, and it's 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 screwed up because it's like it's not just a matter of 
the bad experiences you've had, like I maybe can uh, pull from another thing here, like uh, something they kind of tried to do with MGS5 in the case of Miller in particular is that it's not just what you felt, it's it's literally carved into you. And I guess with Trevelyan as well in that he's got the scars on his face. Oh, yeah. Like the stuff is physically, the events have physically destroyed him. And you have like the missing chunk of uh, Silver's face when the cyanide capsule basically just burned through it and didn't kill him. Yeah, and that's when they tortured him for like a couple of years. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. And it's because M is like you see your trauma every time you look into the mirror I guess is what I'm getting at it all happens because M is so committed that's why and then the world is not enough is actually plays in the sky vault too because at the beginning um, she she does kind of let Bond rot the cold open is Bond getting caught in North Korea and he's there for oh yeah yeah (laughs) he comes out with the beard and shit it's pretty tight I actually love that whole thing of him getting tortured. But um... well, uh, this is just a minor aside. Uh, I remember I was watching this with uh, Ed and my sister, and we like immediately, like right after he gets out of the prison, we had like a bet going as to what he'd do first: shower, shave, or get laid. And he does all three in succession. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why Bond was there in North Korea was because I, I believe they he was after a list of of agents who were undercover and that's actually uh, it's very similar because silva was on hmm. a mission he was on a mission and he gets captured the same way bond does in the beginning of the world is not enough but his actual plot it's 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 that he's he's getting a hmm. he's releasing or that's the whole reason that's the whole reason the clusterfuck and the the, the like hearing that m is in is because she, under her watch hundreds or or I don't, I'm not sure hundreds or thousands of agents who are undercover embedded in terrorist cells their names are being made public regards to that one that was actually not exactly the same thing not so much the information but very much an anti-spy protocol being enacted was the one of the uh, subplots of uh, living daylights um, I'm kind of curious how often does the kill the spies thing come up in bond in what regards in like specifically spot like hunting these spies down or them getting killed uh like um how should i put this a yeah an active plot to attack yeah that's not just attacking the world but it's like specifically going after mi6 and its agents like going after the protectors specifically uh it comes up pretty I mean, there's a few movies. I would say there's more than a few. There's probably like a handful. It's hard because they all blend in somewhat. <laughs> but well, uh, like um, one of the few old ones I saw, I think, was Man with the Golden Gun, and wasn't that all about? Well, not all about, but one of the plot points there is that the villain actually wants to go toe to toe with Bond specifically. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, Sir Christopher Lee. Okay. Damn straight. R.I.P. <laughs> Oh yeah, another thing. The guy at the beginning, Ronson. Remember, she makes Bond leave Ronson. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has the balls to send a man to die. Dead wrong. Take oh, no. <laughs> Take the shot. She's done it. She's yeah. done it before. Take the shot. No. That whole movie just feels like a tribute to to Judy Dench's M. Yeah. I love that quiet moment when they're sitting at the end when she drops the the f bomb. She does have that same 
face that she puts on the way bond does mm-hmm. as a, a hard ass she does it too and yeah. and at the end she kind of breaks and is just like i i fucked this up didn't i mm. and bond just kind of gives her a cheeky little something or other i can't remember what he says but yeah yeah that that made me sad because i knew how it was gonna end i was just like yeah. oh yeah, man like the one moment where she stops seeming like this like hard-ass leader and start and you start to think it could be someone's grandmother mm, yeah it, it's with that move uh with their relationship as since they they kind of focus so closely on it by the end of the movie you really start to feel like the relationship is she's kind of his mom and he and like she he is you know her son and they, they kind of give off that that feeling it's like a familial yeah. element yeah, and it's just yeah. that's what made it even more. Do you remember just, her last words? I don't remember exactly what it was. It's pretty heartbreaking. You remember Jumper Cables? No, I'll remember as soon as you start to say it. Basically, he kills Silva, and then she's she's wounded, and he goes to her, and she says something about I'm not sure if I did the the right or if I made the right calls or something, or but. It's something similar like that, but her last words are actually she looks at him and she says something like, "Like, well, there's one thing I didn't mess up in regards to Bond. Yeah, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. uh, she says, well, I did get one thing right. And those are her last words. Yeah. Um, it's actually, I believe, only the second time that we ever see Bond in his 50 plus years um, that we see him openly crying mm. over the dead body of of them but, yeah i mean they didn't show it on the outside but they really cared about each other a lot yeah i mean he didn't even cry like that over vesper lind yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well he, he he was sad and then he got real angry yeah see that's i love that movie because you see ultra him pissed. you see him building up to kind of like he has that face but it he loses it like you know his the lines about his armor and then mm-hmm. and then he has to put it back on oh Good movie. Yeah. Great movie. Okay. Well, I mean, anything else you guys want to say about Skyfall or Goldeneye? Uh, so after all of our discussion with Goldeneye, it really kind of makes me wonder how the movie would have played out if he just took out Bond completely and just let Natalia run the show. Because it just, it feels like she does so much well, in that movie that it's it pretty it, i mean she say you know she pretty much saves the world and it almost feels like bond is the one tagging along <laughs> for her well, movie no, the, the 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 thing about that dynamic is that they're helping each other yeah i i think you're one right. does what the other can't but yeah. I, but I, but i almost feel like i want to see a movie with her cuz she just she was so well, just, clearly, yeah. we just we just need another series of spy movies with a, a female agent. Has there ever? Wait, there's never been See, a female. So, Die Another Day, they had Jinx, Halle Berry, is Jinx, and they were uh. in talks to, but they fell through to give her her own movie, but they they just didn't do it. Mm. Hmm. It's kind of a shame because mm-hmm. I actually rewatching it, I, I do like Jinx. It's been a while since I've seen that one. After seeing that, you feel like she could have really held her own for an entire movie. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the other side of the story of Die Another Day, I would have liked to have seen what she was doing. Mm. Um, and Michelle Yeoh's character, too, in Tomorrow Never Dies. But she was kicking ass all over that yeah. movie. <laughs> I think it would have been really interesting to see how, like, you can see the progress 
that Bond's made um, towards its treatment of, of female characters. Living Daylight. Which I hear gets a brick wall. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See, that's that's the other thing in Skyfall and Spectre. It's every time they, they take, like, three steps forward, they tend to take a couple steps back, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, Living Daylights, in Living Daylights, one of the first, not not first, but the female lead is Kara uh, Milovi. Milovi is the character's name. She's kind of just there. I was reading about tropes the other day, and there's like a good test to see if this is a good female character. Is could you just replace her with a, a like a vase with a plant? Oh no! I feel like she gets in a little bit near the end, but maybe I'm, I think she flies lane or something. But she is kind of just there. Then they license to kill is interesting. Pam Bouvier is uh, the Bond girl. They kind of step it up in the sleaze department. Tito is kind of playing two two mm. broads, but it, it, he's still like Tito. It's like you can't hate him. But uh, she's like a CIA agent. She's capable, and they go over. They kind of go the opposite of what they just did, where it's like, oh, here she's like a badass and knows what she's doing. But and then in Goldeneye we got Natalia, which is great, and then we got Michelle Yeoh, and then then we got Denise Richards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, but anyway, so you start to see them treating them with more respect. M is a big part of that. At Skyfall, she she is the main. Like, there's there's no Bond girl at the end. I mean, you well, you do have Money Penny, who like, is great in Skyfall. I liked her. She was good. Yeah, I guess um, there's there's some uh, I don't know caveats you have to give it in that Bond is at the end of the day escapist entertainment. And not necessarily that escapist entertainment needs to demean women, but it is a little weird to be like, okay, let me kick back, turn my brain off, and enjoy this. And the whole time there's a woman with her foot straight in your ass. Hmm. Like, it can be funny, but that's not always going to work. I'm not, I should put this. Um, Maybe this isn't... Ah, let me try again. I think it, it's... You're not going to get the highest level of progress from these movies. Like, I think more... You'll know that progress has been made when you see certain things. Characters like Natalia or Anne. The fact that they exist here in a movie that was normally, you know, you'd be introduced to some high-powered woman in the scene with Amy Bond slapping her on the butt. Like, you'll see change there, but I don't know if this is necessarily the series to try and make. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't... It's not It's not one thing, you know. You want to... People are, are critical of things because they want to see things get better across the board. And I, I know, I think with Bond, I, I think it's one of the first places you should actually look because it, it tells you where everything else is out, right? If if Bond is starting to treat its women better, then I think that's kind of what you're trying to say. Then maybe things well, are I think I think better. it's it's better as an indicator, but not as the vehicle. I guess yeah, I, I don't know. I think it can be the vehicle, and I think with Golden Knight, I don't think I'm not so sure it should. It. I think I think if like I don't think it I gotta, matters. Not kind of if i've got a beef with some of these things it's just like i'd rather see it done independently than injected into other things i i don't think i 
agree. I don't. I don't think injecting is the right word. I just think if it happens organically, fine. I mean, that's kind of what you see with Bond. Is that this is you know we're at twenty four movies and mm-hmm. and the twenty fourth film we're still gonna have him walk into a room and immediately this woman just wants to do him this like emotionally damaged woman. Um, that seems creepy. It is, hmm. and it's and part of it, it's like, well, you kind I'm of not, I'm like saying, one of the things that that. that that the Craig movies do really well is that is they acknowledge that he's a piece of shit. <laughs> Rather than changing him a lot, they kind of, but it's still, I'm not sure that comes across. Like there's a there's a skeevy moment in Skyfall where he he uh, he meets the the girl in the the Chinese casino, and then he's like, oh, oh. you're you're like a sex worker uh, in childhood. And then it's 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 interesting to see a Bond film calling this sort of thing out, but then the next scene he's just like he's all up in that shit. <laughs> yeah. In the shower. Yeah. That's another one of those weird turnarounds. Like, I missed the whole movie, didn't I? Yet that's that was strange, so um that, that bit of backstory helped because I was sitting there thinking, God damn Bond, you cold as ice. You just watched that dude murder another guy. And then you find out, oh, he was... A- yeah, that was kind of out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, well, maybe it's, that's not true. It was out of nowhere. He knew what she was, and he kind of took advantage of that. So Yeah. yeah, yeah that, that, that shit's creepy. That's yeah. Yeah. But it's like it's the same movie where we get this amazing story about him. Yeah. And I'm not, it doesn't, that's the thing is it doesn't have to be, you know, oh, she's a badass CIA agent, like in fucking License to Kill, or it it, it, it can be like, it, people just want... just make good... Yeah, just make good characters. If Bond is a piece of shit all... misogynist, make us understand why he is that way. Why is he so cold? Well, they, let me let me address that too. Like um, from time to time, me and Michael get into arguments that uh, involve Mike reminding me what time period we're in, and I guess I got a question in regards to that: Is the ladies' man character dead? No, absolutely not. Well, like the whole time we've been calling Bond a complete piece of shit, and I mean he well no not T Dalt T Dalt was kind of like very when I look at the way they treat that character it's like sure she wasn't well written but the big change there is with Bond's dynamic with her right he's yeah. kind of like very chivalrous and he is a ladies man well yeah things develop I actually had that in my notes that. You know, as one of the reasons why T. Dalton's Bond is just such a cool dude. He's not only uh, actively trying to protect her, he's also trying to spare her feelings in regards to the fact that, yeah, your boyfriend set you up and is a piece of garbage. Yeah. Yeah. I fucking love T. Dalton so much. He's so... Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite Bond? It's... I mean, I have, like, like I said, I haven't seen a lot of them, but it definitely is... Oh, well, I gotta... Um, it's Timothy. I gotta rewatch... Um, I gotta well not rewatch. I think at one point I watched uh, maybe a quarter of License to Kill, but like my I wasn't in the right mindset, and uh, I have to go back and watch that. But like I've like the whole this whole week I've been going on about how much I love The Living Daylights. Yeah, T Dalt's definitely a contender. Yeah. I think before that it was Craig. Before that it was who? Uh, Craig Daniel Craig. So uh, I haven't seen a lot of Bonds. The Oldest one I've seen, I think I mentioned earlier, is Man with the Golden Gun. I've seen all of them at this point. Um, (laughs) And let me just say that I am pretty thankful that 
there's only one series like this <laughs> that goes back over 50 years and has such had such an impact in the 90s because that was it was too much <laughs> it was it was some like it was really rewarding but it was just some of that roger it's just like you're so old and you're doing this <laughs> young i love roger moore he's he's great he's really funny like uh and they, they do some interesting stuff with his character he got some really good movies but does man. it almost turn into self-parody oh yeah totally i mean there's a there's a did i already say that there's a if there's a clown, the clown thing, and he dresses up like a clown, and there's a, the whole reason that the the beginning of the movie is another double O agent gets killed, and he's dressed like a clown. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I've seen pictures of that on the internet. Yeah, wasn't um Sean Connery in the earlier ones? Was he? Sean Connery yeah, was, was the first. first. He was the first. Okay. Uh, uh, what did you like? I mean, what did you think of him? He's good. He's, he's very good. okay. He's very he's good. good. I mean, he's definitely a. Sean Connery took it a little too far, like <laughs> into his real life. Oh, uh, that, that great Barbara Walters interview he did. What kind of Bond was he? Uh, so Connery was very suave. It's it's easy to call him out as like, oh, you know, that's the old school misogynist, and there's there's a lot of that shit. Like when he goes to Asia, and and they're like, oh, when in, in Japan women come second and men come first, and he's like, oh yeah, sure, I'm all about that shit. <laughs> uh, so there's there's that side but there's also he is a little i don't know something about like watching him seems like he he feels not out of his element but that he's very much studying his environment and he's learning and he is kind of respectful and and very like like british Um, but at the same time it was a different time and he's from that time and he's kind of a shithead um, but as far as Bond goes I, I those are classics um, Roger Moore is the the silly Bond he, he got some interesting ones but by and large he got the silly shit <laughs> um, and I think T-Dalt's my no, actually you know what I want to go I want to say George Lazenby on Her Majesty's Secret Service very underrated it's really good yeah. I have uh, to see he, that but yeah, I think T-Dalt might be my favorite. I grew up with Pierce, and I love Craig, but T-Dalt is just, how could you not fall in love with that cleft? <laughs> Put my finger right through it. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's down. Uh, uh, I like him. He's my man. It's him, then Craig, then Pierce. I think I'd probably put Roger Moore at the bottom. Mm. And then... And then... I don't know. It's it's hard to rank them, but because uh, I love them all, actually, as far as the movies go, even though some of them are like excruciating to sit through. Um, <laughs> but you did it though. <laughs> I mean, you did it. You Just because they got into such a formula with by the time Roger Moore, had, and it's a weird formula, and then they started to subvert it in his later movies. But anyway, you guys got more to say. Um, uh, yeah, some stuff I can say for a later time. We might not get the opportunity. Mm. Oh, trust me, it'll come up again. It's not bond related necessarily. Uh, Joe, I I'm like just super pumped for Bond stuff, everything Bond. And after doing a bit of research, and not really research, it just kind of went to Wikipedia, and it just uh apparently they're they're gonna start working on the next Bond, which they're calling it Bond Twenty Five. 
I think yep. they're calling it. So that's I. No word of Craig's gonna be coming back. I hope he does. But uh, I enjoyed Goldeneye again. I am so happy I got to watch this again. It was just it's been a while. It's really fun seeing it. Um, I want to watch more more with Timothy. Definitely. How many movies did he do? Two, just three, two. two. Oh, just, just two. Oh, just There's two. Just one more. Oh yeah, man. Which is sad. Yeah. Yeah. He was good. Goldeneye was supposed to. Oh. to be for him but I mean oh. I, I like Pierce and Goldeneye a lot and I'm, I'm glad it happened but yeah. part of me always wonders kind of wish it were uh, Timothy yeah. well, that kind of sucks um, I'll definitely go look at the License to Kill I'm going to check that movie out and um, yeah, I gotta go see I gotta I just ordered Spectre so I'm probably going to watch that too I'll have to watch that eventually even I though I hear it. I rewatched <laughs> it again and it's got some interesting stuff going for it um, and some some stuff that was carried over from Skyfall mm, in terms good. of what they're talking okay. about. But as far as what they do with the characters and where it actually goes, it's just I it wasn't down. Um, yeah. Uh, as for me, what did I learn from all of this? <laughs> what did you learn? Well, one, I got the big series out of the way. I won't have to do that again. Watch fucking 24 movies in preparation for a fucking podcast that people don't listen to. Uh, good job. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What else did I I'm learn? happy you did it, Mike. So am I. It's yeah. Cool. It was Thank fun. you, Angelina. Yeah. It took me months. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um... I mean, if anything, these movies are just snapshots of their little. It's 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 cool to see a series change itself with the times and speak to the zeitgeists <laughs> that it it lives in, and to see where things carry from and what they leave behind. I kind of want to go over this article really quick. It's just like a little somebody wrote from the Moscow Times. It's called "From Russia with Scorn of Past Idols." Mm. Uh, and this is about the Indian Communist Party thing again. So this is someone from Russia writing about it. Said, a week or so ago, the Indian Communist Party got itself into the news by lashing out at the latest Bond movie, saying it denigrated communism. And they were trying to organize pickets and boycotts. And not seeing the movie was hard to understand what they were upset about. And this, it goes on to say, well, now Goldeneye has come to the screens of Russia. Particularly blasphemous are the six-foot models in skippy bikinis and strappy high heels who adorn the opening credits. The women are silhouetted as they stand on fallen statues of Lenin and giant stone hammers and sickles, somewhat delicately crushing them at their feet. And they, they really get to the, the heart of what this film is about. And I can't tell if they're... I think they're being cheeky with this article a little bit. Um, says, but if that were all, it still would not explain the anger of the Indian communists. The real statues of communism's heroes have undergone arguably a less elegant fate. So why be concerned about their celluloid copies? What the Indian communists probably found disturbing is that Goldeneye puts together all the popular perceptions of today's Russia in a slick package, and the overall effect could be shocking. Basically, in this movie, the old Soviet superpower gets no respect, uh, which... They were huge in the old Bond movies. Huge threat, and not so in Goldeneye. The KGB, formerly the omnipresent and venerable competition, doesn't even figure in. It's only a vestige of the former opposite number of Bonds, who is now the CD boss of a second-rate mafia. In this Russia, the government barely exists, 
The mafia rules with impunity, and there's a general sense of chaos in the streets. The superpower still has its dangerous toys, the Goldeneye, but it's out of control. Uh, yes, this is a Bond movie. Uh, <laughs> they say any hint of a thoughtful plot would be suicide at the box office. I think it's thoughtful. I think it's incredibly well written. Um, but it has summed up how the West in general now views Russia, and one can understand why diehard communists in the far-flung reaches of the party's ideological empire might be shaken. Idols may fall, but that they should be laughed at is unbearable. The bad news is that some parts of this pop image are true to life. These realities, in particular the sense of humiliation and chaos, helped to send disgruntled Russian voters into the arms of the Communist Party last December and are pushing President Boris Yeltsin into a crude attempt to counteract them with his Get Tough campaign ahead of June's elections. Or perhaps he saw the movie too. So, thanks for listening, guys. You can find Hey Listen Radio at heylistenradio.com <laughs> or on Twitter, Hey Listen Radio. This has been Hyper 90's Zeitgeist Breakdown. You can find us at Hyper 90s on Twitter. Joe, tell us about your show. Uh, the show that I do is called NAGP Resurrection. It's a show where the three of us all talk about video games and gaming culture and topics related to video games and other cool stuff. Yeah, and you can find the show on Twitter at NAGP Returns, where I just talk more about video game stuff. Just lots of game stuff. And you, Mr. Jumper Cables. What's your show? How do we get in contact um, with you? Well, if I've uh, calculated things correctly, uh, you can see me try and do what Mike did here at the old Taku Connection, which you you can find on our website, on SoundCloud, all the same places. And if you want to happen to talk to me directly, you can uh, hit me up on Twitter at old Taku Connect Jumper Cables because there wasn't enough characters for connection. Well, I guess until next month, true believers, there's a ball of maybe eat chili fries. I rather mucked that up, didn't I? <laughs> I rather that up. Oh, that's right. It was it was fucked. That's right. She says fucked. Okay. I fucked that up. Bye, kids. Lizard man. Oh, yeah. French girls. <laughs> <laughs>
Wait, what? It's a line from Titanic. That movie. Mike, is this gonna end with your like sweaty ass hand pressed against the window of Joe's car? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 yeah. That's up to Joe. Mm. As long as you don't let me drown. I'll never let go, Joe. I'll never let go of this fucking door. <laughs> God damn. Mm. And then I'll rip the door off mm. and parasail with a parachute on it. Like in Die Another Day. God, these people are giving such weird... Come on, people. Taco Bell is either good or bad. Don't tell me all this random... <laughs> what? What just the fuck are you doing, time. Joe? <laughs> There's Mom. no good or bad with Taco Bell. It's just Taco Bell, and you accept <laughs> it for what it is. Joe, are you yelping Taco are you Bell? Fucking... I am. Why? Well, Every just, Taco Bell's the same. I don't know. I'm just bored. You need excellent customer service from Taco Bell? No, man. I, I don't fucking care. I'm just reading stuff because I'm bored. I'm, I don't care what people say with the food. I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to have the poots after. Are you going to get some of those delicious balls? I don't know what that is, but I will. I remember those. They're good. I'll put They're anything weird. in my mouth if it tastes good. Mmm. You heard it here first, folks. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'm getting Taco Bell. <laughs>